So there's this town in, I want to say, Sweden called Gavla that every year builds like a goat for like Christmas celebrations. And the Gavla goat is famous because basically every year someone burns it down before the Christmas celebrations happen. Um, and so if you look on the Wikipedia page, it's like a scorecard over whether someone successfully burned it down. And they're not supposed to. It's definitely like they're committing arson if they do it. But pretty much every year, someone always like they bribe the security guards or whatever, or they like, you know, throw a Molotov cocktail from a passing car. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast, back from uh, National Podcast Holiday Week. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Happy old 4th of July, Mike. Yes, uh, happy 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, and 11th of July to you and all of our listeners. Hope you didn't miss us too much. But we're back, and we got plenty to talk about. Absolutely, and I think we're going to start that off with uh, you hitting Ultimate with your free-to-play account. That's right, yeah. While you were out in the woods, I fired up the Periscope right before the season ended, and I went and I streamed getting through rank 49, made it up to Ultimate with my Solar Flare deck. I uh, made a post about it in the PVC Hero subreddit. Final stats, it took 48 days. I opened, uh, I think, 77 packs in total. Really, I owe a lot of it to High Voltage Current. That combined with opening uh, Sergeant Strongberry really early on, helped shape what direction I was going to go with this character and which deck to make. And I'm glad that I was able to make it to 50 without having to break the bank on crafting too many uh, rares or event cards or anything like that. So in your Reddit post, you have like kind of a bulleted list of a bunch of um, important notes, um, one of which being that the event cards that you happened to show up during, you know, the cards of the week were very, very beneficial. So um, you also call out Imposter as like a good low to the ground, good in every kind of deck zombie card. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, part of that was a little motivated by a little, uh, I guess, competitive spirit towards Fry'em Up, who has started doing uh, occasional free-to-play videos again, and his Solar Flare deck is running for the Haunted Pumpkin, the 4-2 that costs one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to prove, like, I bet I can hit ultimate without having to make that card. And I was right, but I definitely did need a uh, high voltage current to finish it off. And Imposter did a lot of the legwork getting me up there. You, th- you think your plant pool was stronger than your zombie pool? <sighs> Once I started getting to Taco League, yeah, that there was a noticeable drop off in how well my Infinity deck did. Namely, because I'm missing stuff like Quick Draw Con Man or Toxic mm. Waste Imp or Disco Knot, and I would tend to run out of steam because I only had two Imp Commanders for draw. And like you know, if I run into a catch up mechanic, I'm probably screwed, and I'm you know hitting the block meter a million times, so that can can screw me over. I, I definitely had a a lot more success with refined strike through berry deck that solar flare had and uh my berry spadow wasn't bad either but the solar flare deck was definitely the best and then uh on top of all that i bought a uh, colossal fossils multi-pack on that account to celebrate i opened three legendaries <laughs> yeah i got a i got a cob cannon a gondola and a tanklosaurus so wow that's a pretty yeah, sweet haul that'll be fun going forward i don't know how much i'm going to keep playing the account that was the the first reply to my, my thread being like, hey, I did it, was, are you going to keep playing it? And, you know, my initial reaction was, yeah, of course, totally. And I thought, hmm, but 
this really is kind of intense on my computer. If you go and watch the Periscope, you can hear the fan of the computer pretty loudly throughout, even louder than the World Cup match I was watching at the time. Like, I don't know. I'm going to try and at least, like, log in every day to do the uh, the daily challenge and knock a few quests off. But uh, I'm probably not going to touch it much until after I hit ultimate on my main and get bored. Uh, so so most of this thread is dedicated towards the, the cars that pulled the most weight. Um, the one that I uh, wanted to talk about the most was Apple Saucer. Oh, yes. Um, this is going to be a little bit of foreshadowing to our card of the week talk about Corndog, which we missed last week. But having a two-cost 3-2 plant is such an important thing to have. Like it, I'm not going to say it's a right, but like it, it feels like that is like a staple that every color should have a, a two cost three two that does something and apple saucer is like the perfect aggressive-ish solar card to fill that niche it trades with a lot of stuff early on it works as a good finisher being really cheap you can combine because it, it get, because it gets strike through right yes you one of my uh, my favorite turn six combos would be playing apple saucer and then shroom for two and then you bury angry all of that and you're mm. able to do 11 damage for two hits of the block meter. And that's a, that's a long way to go towards winning. Very true. Yeah, that was one of the first cards I went and crafted because it is a, it is a common and it's from Colossal Fossils. So I wasn't going to open one early on. And it definitely helped me out a whole bunch. And if I ever go back to playing Wall Knight, I'm putting four of the Apple Saucers in there too. Seems good. And I guess the last thing I, I, I found uh, heartening about your thread was that you said that you barely watched any ads. That's that's something that you often see in like the free to play threads on on the Reddit. You know, someone will ask, "How do I get cards as a free to play player?" And then everybody's like, "Grind the ad button and like you know spend spend a whole bunch of time watching ads for five gems a pop, um, or even less than that once you start doing it for a long time." And I just think that that's really kind of gross advice to give to somebody. Um, you know, yeah, that's a way to get gems and stuff, but just like I don't think it's very ethical to tell someone to just like stare at these commercials and then you'll be good at the game. Um, you know, like you, you definitely found some optimal builds with the cards you had available to you and, you know, like sort of found what strategies you were able to support with like mostly commons. Um, and I wanted to commend you for, um, for kind of like bucking the conventional wisdom that in order to be a free to play player, you have to grind the ad button. Yeah. It, you know, it definitely slows the rate you gather gems. And if you want to be, you know, optimal make optimal pants and want to grind up your in-game currency as fast as possible sure you know you watch your 10 20 ads however many that they let you watch a day but just doing the quests and laddering up you can still earn enough gems to buy several multi-packs over uh, seven weeks or so uh, most of the ads i watched were uh, times i flunked the daily challenge and was too impatient oh, sure. to go back to it later yeah that's 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 basically the only time i ever watch an ad like sometimes if i have like you know 995 gems um then i'll watch an ad so that i have the thousand for the multi-pack but um otherwise it's pretty much just um you know it's like today i um was doing the the daily challenge was a puzzle and um i made a mistake and then i immediately realized the mistake i was like oh crap if i could do this over again i would i would just get it right away and so i just conceded watched an ad loaded the challenge back up and then just did it immediately which i think is kind of the proper way to use the ad button I had a lot of fun. I, I like today's daily challenge a lot. The uh, move a thing around and give your overstuffed zombie frenzy while the uh, Pecanalist is on the field. I thought that was a really cool uh, premise. Yeah, and it's um, 
uh, highlighted uh, one of the downsides of of everybody's favorite uh, pair cub, which is that if you've got a thing with frenzy, the token is going to get eaten and doesn't isn't going to get a chance to attack. Um, and you were able to exploit that uh, in today's daily challenge to do like 15 damage to the face or whatever with the one creature, um, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, congratulations, Mike, and uh, thanks for uh, showing everybody that uh, this is not a pay to win game. All you have to do is be one of the best players on the damn Reddit. Hey, yeah, uh, top eight finish in the tournament, so hey, I have that to hang my hat on. The the tournament, which is now over officially, and congratulations to Akati for winning it all, the person who knocked me out of the winner's bracket, so I feel a little bit better having lost the champ and knowing that other people got as flummoxed by his uh, Captain Combustible and Infinity decks as I did. Yeah, um, I I think we'll be talking about that in our final segment, because um, Akati did some some pretty hardcore write-ups of, of their thinking during the tournament and um, breakdowns of the decks they used. Uh, so I think that's a little bit meatier of a segment, so we're going to save it till the end. But yes, congratulations, Akati. Oh, oh, breaking news. Uh-oh. Final two players of the Major League Baseball All-Star team have been announced. It is uh, Jesus Aguilar and Gene Segarra, so congratulations to them. Does that mean anything to you? I remember um, back when they started doing, like, online voting to see who made it into the All-Star game, my dad was like, what the hell? This is meaningless. People can just stuff the ballot. And I'm like, I know. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, there's one thing that uh, we've learned from the last uh, two years on Twitter is that things that happen on Twitter are totally organic and not influenceable by anybody with nefarious leanings. That and never let fan voting be used for anything meaningful. Yes. I mean, we've known that for a long time. Right, I was going to pull up Corn Dog. <laughs> I got distracted by my notifications. All right, time for the first of two cards of the week since we missed a week. Uh, we're going to start with last week's card, which is Corn Dog. Uh, it is a two cost, three two corn animal plant uh, from the Guardian class, and it has Amphibious and Hunt. Hunt being that when a zombie comes into play, this moves into that zombie's lane if able. So, what do you think about this, Mike? You made reference to two mana, three twos being like something very important to have. They are, yes, and I believe this is the lone 3-2 of the Guardian class. In your words, I would call this a very medium card. Sure. It is not something I go out of my way to put in a lot of decks. Being a two-cost plant with two health is very worrisome to me because I see that... It trades with a lot of one-drops. Yeah, it trades with a lot of one-drops, and it also dies to Bungie Plumber, which is very unfortunate. And uh, things with Hunt are weird because... The opponent gets to decide what lane they end up in, and they get to make the trade. Yeah, that's, let's let's pause on that for a second, because Hunt is a very interesting mechanic to me um, when, when trying to do card evaluation. So Hunt is a defensive mechanic. Like, you know, it it's, goes on creatures that are going to end up blocking, but you don't really get to pick the thing you block. So it's it's a weird combination of guaranteeing you the ability to trade with a thing, but basically always trading with your opponent's worst possible thing. When you compare this to its zombie analog, which is the cyborg zombie, um, is also a two mana three, two with hunt. But instead of having amphibious, when it dies, you draw a five mana five, five with hunt. That is much more effective at like being used in a control deck to like get a solid two for one and get your, Get yourself to the late game where your cards can outclass them with quality. Corndog, all it really does is block. And the amphibious part 
you know, there's a lot of strong zombie threats that take place in the amphibious lane. Um, Ducky Tube Zombie and and Toxic Waste Imp, I think, being the two most important early game ones. But the problem with this is, if they play a Ducky Tube Zombie on turn one, and then you play a Corn Dog on turn two, all they have to do is chase your Corn Dog away, and then the Ducky Tube Zombie still gets through. Um, and there's ways to do that. If you've got a gravestone, when the gravestone is revealed, the corn dog's going to move. So it is, it's a good blocker, but it like lines up poorly with some of the things that you would most want it to block. And I think that's what really makes it medium. Yeah. The interesting thing about this is that this is the only plant that has hunt. Every other hunt card is a zombie ah. card. And I think that the drawbacks of being a hunt card are more noticeable when it's a zombie because the zombies play, and then immediately the plants have a chance to run interference. Right. Whereas if you run the plant, like you said, you need to rely on a gravestone or a teleport or a summoning trick in order to move it out of the way that turn instead of having to wait until next turn to deal with it because it can still kill a uh, like a quick-draw con man and survive, providing they don't play anything like beam me up or whatever. Hunt being a plant thing like that that means something else but i'm not really sure what uh no i mean that's a very good point you know it is it's a it's a artifact of the sort of asymmetry of the of the gameplay style that like the on a the 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 interaction window with hunt on a plant card is much smaller than it is on a zombie card um and so i think that's a very good point and i do like this card i mean like you know i i routinely put this card in decks and I think that it is, um, I think that it, it does do good work in, in getting you to a position where you can dominate the game with your, your high power late game stuff. Um, you know, it's just that the, um, it is kind of misleadingly good. It's kind of good for different reasons than it appears. It's just like very solidly performant at like blocking a thing and keeping you from taking a little bit of damage. It's just like you think, oh, a two cost amphibious thing. That means it blocks the nasty garbage that takes place in the amphibious lane. Well, it kind of doesn't do that super great. It's all right at it, but there's better ways to do that. Yeah, I, I guess the the deck I see this working the best in would be like an aggro wall knight sort of thing where you want to play a bunch of cheap creatures. And like I said before, playing a two cost three two plant is really good on rate and just a good thing to have in every class's back pocket. Like, you know, look at the uh, the fire piece shooter. That's just a two cost three sure. two blank card. Like this, this gets amphibious and this gets hunt. And I don't know what this card having amphibious means. I don't, I'm not even really sure why it has amphibious. I mean, I guess doggy paddle. Yeah. I mean, it's a, oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Like thematically. Yeah. I guess it's doing a doggy paddle. And I mean, you know, it's one of the, like the, the plants that are of type animal are really kind of a stretch in general. They just kind of like anthropomorphized a plant and turned it into a critter rather than just like whatever it was and gave it eyes. Like, you know, wild berry is like literally just a raspberry with a face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so that's, um, yeah. There are a lot of the, uh, a lot of the animal plants are amphibious. No kidding. I've never actually tried to yeah, find yeah. a mechanical definition of animal. Corn dog, marine bean, grizzly pear cub, grizzly pear, crocodile, uh, laser cattail, snake in the grass, cattail, bird of paradise, lima pleuron. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess swimming is a thing that animals uh, often do. They're way so. better at it than plants. That's true. Yeah, so that's cool. So yeah, hopefully you got however many of these you wanted last week. Yeah, and I mean, this is not a four-up by any means. If you got one or two, you know, like, that's that's a fine number. 
you're you're correct that this is this is the only avenue to get this kind of thing um, in the Guardian class. Um, but especially if you're defensively minded, um, there are other ways to kind of get that. This kind of fills a defensive corn dog. Kind of fills a similar niche as Hot Date. And yeah, um, yeah there, and and you know, I mean, you're not just playing Mono Guardian in your deck. I mean, I guess you could, but there there are other ways to um, to have that uh, sort of like high statted, low cost posture available in in other factions. I suppose it does work as like teleport insurance. Sure. To like help block the big nasty Valkyrie or Trickster, um, providing they don't have a way to kill it before they teleport your dude in. I believe Trickster will trigger before this gets a chance to hunt, though. Um, I think it's like trigger. Well, see, again, we don't know this for sure um, because because the, the sort of the way the stack works in this game is kind of not super well defined. But I'm pretty sure it's like triggered abilities on this card, followed by triggered abilities in this lane, like playing it on a on a um, pair paradise kind of thing, um, and then and then after that, it's triggered abilities from the left to the right. Um, so I believe Trickster would go off before Corndog would be able to, like, dive in the front of it. Well, it would take um, one of the two hits, so good good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you don't die to the Trickster outright, it'll block Trickster's regular attack. Yeah, I, I just couldn't think of anything else you would teleport in aside from Valkyrie. Sure. Um, although, you know, it's I wonder if, say you played a Trickster in a lane with a plant in it, and then Trickster's bonus attack kills the plant. I wonder if Corndog jumps in front of that. Hmm. You know, like, I wonder if, if Hunt checks for an empty lane at the time the creature ETBs or at the time that the um, the Hunt trigger would resolve. Uh, yeah, if, if you happen to know the answer of this weird gameplay interaction, uh, write in and let us know. We could probably figure that out in, like, a second. Yeah, I, we just, like... I did open but a I, second Trickster. Uh, I actually have four tricksters now. I feel kind of like a real cool guy about that. Oh, look at you, Mr. Metagame. Yeah, I know. I'm like one of the last players that plays brainy zombies all the time to have uh, to have four tricksters. But anyway, Core Dog's pretty good. You know, it's it's not something that I would feel super bad. Like, if you were on vacation and you didn't get to play uh, the events that week, then, like, don't worry about it a ton. Um, but it's like a solid addition to a um, uh, defensively-minded Guardian deck. Um, and it has good mid-rangey applications as well. Yeah, and it, it has good stats, especially for being an amphibious card. Agreed. Yeah, compared to, like, Cattail, 3-mana, three 3-2 three, amphibious, no hunt, um, you lose a mana and get, like, a situationally relevant ability. So that's cool. When I mean, this is an event card, and Cattail's a common. So, you know, you're going to expect a bit of an upgrade there. And now for our card of the this week, we have the Trapper Zombie, the 4-brain, 3-3... Three, three, Pet Mustache Zombie, it is a Gravestone, and when revealed, make a Trapper Territory, which is the environment that does one damage to a plant before combat. And it is a sneaky card. Right, yes. So, for uh, long-time listeners will remember that I evangelized this card a little bit on our first episode, talking about the value of having a creature and an environment taking up only one card in your deck, and it being a good... uh, counter to what your opponent would think would be an obvious pogo bouncer on turn four which right feels like it was a bit more of a big deal back in the day than it is now but it is still like a like on turn four you're playing against a against a sneaky zombie and they see a gravestone go up the first thing you should react to that being is pogo bouncer and you know if you play around that accordingly it's like oh no i 
I, I played my Pair of Paradise thinking it was a pogo bouncer, and now that got paved over, and now I'm real sad and real behind. Yeah, that's probably, like, the worst-case scenario for what the Trapper Zombie could overwrite. I mean, it's like, so the, the, the thing to think about with this card is Cycle Cap, right? So this paves over the Planet of the Grapes and kills the One Health things that were in that same lane. So, like, if they've got an Astro Shroom or, say, you know, like a, a Shroom for Two inside of uh, Planet of the Grapes, this thing deals with both things. So... It, it you're getting a two-for-one in that way that, that paving over an environment gives you a two-for-one, um, and the environment is also quite strong on a very reasonably statted body. So, like, Trapper Territory was printed as a card in, I want to say, Triassic Triumph? Yes. As a one-mana uh, gourmet environment, randomly. I don't think the gourmet status ever really matters. But so, with this, you're getting a one-mana environment and a three-mana three-three, um, all in the same card. That Like, three-mana three-three is a good rate. Um, and a one-man environment is a strong, versatile thing. And so you're able to use this, like, both the halves of this card are very effective at what they do. It's like a good cost for, like, a reasonably statted body that'll probably trade with a thing, or at the very least, like, you know, roadblock a combo deck with a gravestone, um, and then, like, you know, do some damage to whatever it gets in a fight with. This thing is, like, it's pretty hard to go wrong with this. Really, the only criticism of it is that it's a little bit slow. Yeah, definitely it is uh, a lot more impressive the longer the game goes on. The most impressive thing I've seen this card used in is an, an Infinity deck. That is, I guess it doesn't need to be Infinity, but but uh, any deck running the Zombot Sharktronic sub that whenever a plant oh, yeah. is damaged, destroy it. Like, that that Trapper Territory is a great enabler of the Sharkbot. So, like, that is a, a really good late control combo if you uh, if you can get that far. But even just being able to get rid of your opponent's environment or, like, having a way to deal with your opponent's environment without actually having to clog your deck up with environments is really nice. Agreed. Um, this is also a, a very reasonable rebuy off a of mixed a Gravedigger, um, and it enables, what's that dude called, the Excavator Zombie, yeah. the 4-1 the that bounces an environment and all the plants there. Um, you know, like, the Trapper Territory will kill the weenies, but, like, everything else is going to survive. Um, this enables Excavator Zombie to be like a very powerful tempo play on the turn after that, where it's like if they have a big thing, um, then all of a sudden now you can force them to have to redeploy that big thing at full cost. And you get to deploy the environment somewhere if like that's more beneficial to you somewhere else. Yeah, so this is some this is a very um very well positioned card with the rest of the stuff that's in the sneaky uh color pie. Also, it is a pet zombie, and uh I sure. don't I don't think I see it that much in Pet Brain Freeze. Cause, yeah, like it's, said, it's a little bit bigger than Pet Brain Freeze really wants to go. Yeah, like you said, it is very slow. And, you know, maybe there's... Once upon a time, I tried to make a Pet Control Brain Freeze deck that tried to run a little bit slower and longer and, you know, running Sharkbot and Fire Rooster. But uh, it's not the same. Like, pet decks at their best are when they're out, when they're able to swarm the field real fast and raise their stats up really quickly. Yeah, like sp spending four mana on a single Cat Lady trigger, like you could get two or even three Cat Lady triggers if you if you build your deck lower to the ground in that way. It's it's much like the d despite the fact that Pet and Mustache are are reasonably good tribes, this card really doesn't interact particularly well with what either of those tribes are trying to do. I mean, I guess Mustache is kind of just like a good stuff deck, and this would have a reasonable home in a good stuff deck. You know, it's like turn four, you play it. 
it comes out of the gravestone and then your mustache waxer gives you one brains to play like a barrel of barrels or some other kind of trick or something. That's like, okay, I guess the value of that benefit that the mustache tribe gave you is like significantly smaller than the value just of the card itself. Whereas when you think of something like what pet decks really want to do, Yeti lunchbox kind of doesn't really do very much on its own. It's it's real powers that it triggers like zookeeper and cat lady and all that stuff. Um, whereas with this, you're like, you're really getting what it says on the tin, and the tribe stuff is only kind of a bonus. Yeah. And it's not a bad card if you end up conjuring it off a frozen mustache. For sure, yeah. It's very good, like, you know, just if you're playing to the board and trying to kill their stuff, it does a very good job at that. So this, um, in terms of, of how many to get, I think that this is kind of at a similar power level to Corndog, although I would say this is probably a little bit, like, including this in a random deck is probably a little more effective than including a random Corndog in your deck. Um, so this is like a two of, I would say. Uh, it's good with mixed up Gravedigger, but it's not like such an amazing power that you want to always have it on the board when you play a mixed up Gravedigger the way that Pogo Zombie really does, like, is kind of integral to making a mixed up Gravedigger go. You know, this is just more like keep your dudes alive long enough to set up a juicy board for mixed up Gravedigger to rebuy all your triggers. It can also uh, take care of a Solar Winds with a couple of Sunflowers on it, providing you don't get totally blown out that turn by like Cop Cannon. That is pretty dirty. Yeah, if you hate environments so much that you don't even put them in your own deck, then yeah, run these guys. So, like we talked about before, the tournament ended, and uh, Akati, the winner, made a uh, a few very detailed post-mortem posts, and uh, talked a little bit about his uh, insight as far as like decisions about which heroes to play and which heroes to ban, and we're going to talk about that. Very extensively. Um, you know, the, there are two threads here, one for the zombie decks and one for the plant decks. Um, and we'll put them both in the show notes um, and we'll summarize them. Um, but um, especially when it gets down to the deck list, like they posted a bunch of deck lists and there's there's all kinds of, of very insightful stuff in here about like what's good on what turn, um, you know, like what the holes in the metagame are. Um, and so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I would suggest you check those out. Yeah, I like the mulligan tips here. I guess, like, you know, if you're playing a beastly hero, then make sure you have something to kill Cheese Cutter or take care of a cat lady. Like, the tips like that are interesting to me. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to start with the plants or the zombies? I guess we'll start with the bands. Maybe start with the zombie oh, bands. Oh, sure. Okay. Right. So, uh, Akati banned Huge Giganticus and Professor Brainstorm, which uh, those are the two heroes that I banned, so obviously he is right, and that is smart. Nice. But, uh... Mentioning that uh, Conjure Huge Giganticus is a ridiculous monster, especially if it gets the uh, signature superpower that makes everything cheaper right away. It, it is kind of a, um, a sad fact of the zombie metagame right now that, that HG's ultimate superpower is just like so miles beyond in power everybody else's that um, like the games where you get that on turn one kind of feel like not real games in many cases. For for similar reasons, the huge Giganticus deck was his zombie main deck of choice because of, of how crazy it is, and the uh, the unpredictability of conjure stuff is a uh, is a big advantage because you know you you have an idea of what cards your opponent can start out with, but once they start conjuring stuff off triplication or frozen mustache or barrel of barrels, it can go off the rails really quickly. Yeah, the, the the possibility space becomes quite large when you have to 
remember what conjuration cards they played because there's no log and like you know try to play around all of them simultaneously while on your pretty short fuse um yeah and then uh brainstorm was their next ban um but you know the even though the valkyrie uh deck you know was targeted by a handful of nerfs um his impression was that uh the deck was still quite powerful and that you needed to play plant decks that were resilient against that combo of which the list was very short if you if you chose to do that, then that left you open to exploitation by your opponent playing decks that were good against those. So if you show up with like a good Valkyrie Brainstorm deck and also a bunch of other decks that beat the decks that Valkyrie Brainstorm is bad against, then um, you know you kind of can't win in that way. Um, and if you just instead ban the Valkyrie Brainstorm deck, then you're able to sort of have much more leeway on what you chose for your plant decks. Yeah, it makes your decisions a lot uh, simpler and broader. Uh, yeah, and I'm certainly not going to uh, argue with with the results here. And then the the plant bans were Rose and Walnut for very similar reasons, I would say. Like they're both. Uh, yeah, it seems like you know Briar Rose in all caps um, is like definitely a big deal. Yeah, I mean like Briar Rose and Cobb Cannon and Ketchup Mechanic and Cornucopia. Well, I guess not really Cornucopia, but like Dark Matter Dragon Fruit for the purpose of Rose and Walnut Bowling for Walnut. Like those are both very uh, dangerous late game cards for sure. Yeah, I'm glad to see uh, uh, Walnut Bowling getting some getting some uh, kind of Timmy respect. You know, there's like, it's a big, awesome, fun card, but that just kind of always seemed like slightly out of reach in terms of playability for a long time, at least as far as I was concerned. Um, but like the ramp is so good now, and the control decks are so good now that um, you know you can deal someone eighteen to the face uh, and kill them that way. Yes, but the uh, the reason that uh, that Akati chose these two solar heroes to ban was that it only left uh, Chompzilla and Solar Flare, which have no answers for any kind of gravestone shenanigans. Mm. And that uh, that ended up being my undoing when I went up against his Infinity deck with my Chompzilla. And there was nothing I could do when that Pogo Bouncer came out, followed by Mixed Up Gravedigger. I was just kind of at his mercy, because, you know, Ketchup Mechanic doesn't care about Gravestones, so I can't heal, and, you know, I, I can't develop any of my creatures, so I'm, I'm just kind of a sitting duck. Uh, all right, and there there's a lot more tips than that in these decks. You know, they break down sort of, like, what is so dangerous about uh, about the various decks they expected to face. Um, and so, so let's head into the decks now. I think we're going to start with Plants... Um, and uh, you were talking about the Captain Combustible deck, weren't you, Mike? Yeah, I, this was, I think, the first deck, or no, the, the the first plant deck of theirs that I went up against, and it felt very unlike any Captain Combustibles I'd run into before, because the first creature that they played was Onion Rings, and that is definitely not a card I expect to see in a Captain Combustible deck. But uh, that... Also, your, your first creature coming down on turn five is a very... A uh, very strong statement about what kind of deck you're playing. Yeah, and also a very strong statement about what you can expect to see, meaning that, like, oh, yeah, that weed spray in your hand, the, 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 yeah, that's useless now. But, yeah, this is, uh, I guess it's kind of conjury, kind of combo-y. Like, there's, uh, there's a couple of big finishers I, in there between... Uh... It's it's definitely a combo deck, in, is what I would say. I mean, like, so the at its heart, a repeat moss combo deck um, that has combo finishers instead like backup combo finishers as Gatling P and Bananasaurus um, with with also just some 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 haymakers tossed in as well is is my impression of how, of how the deck plays 
it, it definitely has a lot of surprises at its disposal between like reincarnation being able to turn to uh, an above statted anything or stuff you can draw off Captain Cucumber or uh, I, I definitely got real surprised when a red planet came down to kill my garg throwing garg in only one hit <laughs> that yeah that had me real shook yeah, so so we we talked pretty extensively a few weeks ago about your Captain Combustible uh, combo deck, and so so breaking down the differences between them, I think would be would be interesting. Um, so the environments um, are are definitely a notable deviation. So there's a single red plant hit, but there's also a pair of hot lavas. Were the hot lavas ever relevant in the in your games? I did not see the hot lava, no, and I am. A, a little perplexed by their inclusion over fireweed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's in in this impression. It must just be because they want to pave over environments. I mean, like, so the um, uh, they talk extensively in their zombie write up about space cowboy plus graveyard being a super powerful thing. That like you know being able to play a space cowboy as a gravestone and thus like make it immune from from most forms of removal um, means that like you're just going to deal them a whole bunch of damage when it comes out of the gravestone and so maybe they just like wanted to make sure that graveyard would never ever stick around yeah i suppose that also in this sort of deck with a decent amount of cheaper creatures that on the turn you want to get rid of your opponent's environment you also want to be able to play a creature you know say that on turn four you can play the Hot Lava and also the Captain Cucumber, whereas if you play the Fireweed, you'd have to play something weaker. Right. There's there's a bit more, like, fat in here as well. So there's the pair of Gatling Peas um, and the pair of Potatosauruses. And so the Gatling Pea is played just kind of as a 5-4 with Double Strike. They're, the only Peas in the deck are the, the Black Eyed Pea. And Black Eyed Pea is, like, de- worth including just on its own. It's like, you know... If you end up evolving a Black Eyed Pea with a Gatling Pea, like, that Black Eyed Pea probably survived a lot longer than you'd normally expect it to. And also, just the scary notion of being able to combine Gatling Pea with uh, with one of Combustible Supers, either, either making it a 9 for sure. a double strike, or bonus attacking right away, or turning into a 7-6. A like, Gatling Pea wears all of those super well, and so does Potatosaurus. Correct, yeah, Potatosaurus having Untrickable. Yeah, and those are also, like, like the high-end cards... They don't really mind onion rings that much. You're like, yeah, sure, you lose a little bit of stats, but they still have some very powerful uh, abilities and keywords tied into them. For sure. Yeah, so this deck is definitely really neat. Playing uh, both Banana Bomb and Berry Blast. Um, guess really just want to get the creatures out of the way for Repeat Moss. Um, and in the write-up in the in the text part of the thread, you know, they say, like, they, they, they come out specifically and say, this is not an aggro deck. You want to take as much damage as you can to get all your supers in your hand and then play Repeat Moss or Bananasaurus Rex, buff it up forever, and then just kill them right away. Like, this is this is very much a deck about charging your laser. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way, for sure, playing my uh, my Smash deck against them. And uh, I like how in, in the post he points out that, oh yeah, the bonus track Buckethead in Defensive End are this deck's main weaknesses. And I, I had a deck shock full of bonus track Bucketheads in Defensive Ends, and he still clobbered me. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Just didn't draw him, I guess? Uh, no, I, I, I guess I didn't have the Defensive End, or if I did, by then it was too late, but... um. He killed the the garg throwing garg with black eyed with a four four black eyed pea on the on the uh, red planet, and then after that I played the bucket head and he double berry blasted it. Ooh, yeah, and then 
after that, you know, I I took the ten damage from the from the black eyed pea, and it was that was all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, I guess if if you know that that bonus track buckethead is your is your soft spot, that you know you're going to save your berry blast specifically to deal with that. Yeah, and there's not really a lot of uh, better ways combustible has to get rid of it aside from that because you're not going to run sizzle or cherry bomb in this kind of deck. I guess you might run cherry bomb. Cherry bomb doesn't even kill it. It deals four and it's got armor. Mm, right. Well, damn, this deck is definitely pretty cool. Um, and I am going to be taking this deck for a spin. I'm back down. Uh, the the season reset, so I'm back down. Um, into the sort of noob area of the ladder. Although I did get to taco. Um, it was like the there was like maybe twelve hours worth of season left when I came back from spending a week in the woods. So I'm like, oh, I'm at thirty nine. I'll just grind it out, and so I did. But uh, yeah, I have a feeling that this will probably make mincemeat of the people low down in the ladder. Yeah. I'm doing the listener Elliot challenge this season where I'm doing each of the 20 ranks with a different hero. Yeah, that's rad. I um I was thinking about doing that, but I I just didn't have enough time the last time. So maybe when I get up to 30, I'll 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 start doing that. Okay, and then now for the zombie side, the deck that we were going to talk about is uh the Infinity deck, right? Uh, yeah, it was the deck I wanted to talk about because it was the the one that handed me on my butt most thoroughly and uh like we said earlier, all of Akati's zombie decks have the graveyard lane space cowboy combo because like that that is one of the things that people will uh like like if you want to win at a multiplayer game like this you find one you know really good borderline degenerate strategy and you hammer that as hard as you can you know you you put in the four space cowboys in every deck and you know you ride that to victory and uh it, i didn't even get to the point where i saw that i this is an interesting hybrid of an imp package and a gravestone package in that you know yeah with a with a fair bit of conjuration sprinkled in as well yeah and you know i i tend to not think of space cowboy of as uh being part of an imp package but it totally is and you can totally draw a million cards with it from uh from imp commander yeah i mean that's kind of a win more scenario in that case i mean so with with space cowboy if you get Space Cowboy to attack like three times in a turn, um, you're probably killing them anyway, even if you draw three extra cards off of it. Um, you know, as disgusting as that sounds. Yeah, so, th- so this has got um, some very good cheap Infinity stuff in it. So it's got 4X Imposter, 4X this Dr. Space is Time. entirely sneaky cards. I just realized oh, wow. that. Well, yeah, that's true. Holy crap. Um all right, so wow, that's pretty neat. Uh, hold on, um, I need to check. His, I want to check one of his other decks to see if it's not like the same thirty cards, same forty cards. Uh, no, there's an alien who's in the brain freeze one, and there's a rolling stone in the Neptuna one. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, monotype infinity. Wow. Yeah, so this this dude's thesis is that the sneaky cards are really busted, and you should be playing more of them. I guess so. So you've got the you got imposter, you got Doctor Spacetime, you got um, Toxic Waste Imp. Uh, for environments, you got a pair of graveyards and a pair of laser-based alphas, um, and then uh, you've got a gravestone package um, with uh, pogo bouncer and mixed-up gravedigger. Um, you've got space cowboy just to hit you in the face. You've got imp commando to draw cards, and then you have a pair of um, zombot plank walkers in case the game goes long and you haven't killed them yet. Hiding uh, a plank walker in a grave lane is such a great joy. Yeah, that's a pretty giant blowout. <laughs> Surprise! My field is full, and I have a seven attack strike through. Yeah, and then uh, and then three X um, bungee plumber, three X. Oh yeah, but I guess bungee plumber is a crazy card, so not monotype. Oh, okay, all right, sure, fair. Um, I like the philosophy of the two graveyard, two laser base alpha because that is uh, 
a question that I have a hard time answering as far as how many of each of those environments I want to put in. Yeah, I mean, they play very differently. You know, the the, the laser base alpha is not just good at getting, um, you know, like making your weenies trade with their big stuff. Um, it also is a very good combo with Imp Commander because the strike through means you connect with their face, which means you draw a card. Um, yeah, I mean, this deck, like, just kind of value grinds them out until you lock them with a Pogo Bouncer and Mixed Up Gravedigger. In a deck like this, I would probably, my first attempt would be to run four of the graveyard lanes just to have a cheap way to deal with my opponent's environments reliably, but that runs into the problem of, oh man, I drew all four of these, so they're meaningless in my hand, but, you know, if some of those were laser-based alphas, I could get some more value off of uh, Mixed Up Gravedigger or Dr. Spacetime or Imp Commander. Yeah, Dr. Spacetime is, is especially good with um, Laser Base Alpha. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, that's that's got to be a um, a testing artifact, you know, like the probably starting with a high number of graveyards, especially if your whole thesis is that graveyard plus Space Cowboy means you win. Um, you probably max out on both of those and then shave as appropriate. Given that there's 4x Space Cowboy still in the deck, the, the, the card to be reduced turned out to be graveyard. Yeah, and Space Cowboy also works really well with uh, Infinity's Give a Thing plus three attack superpower. Ah, uh, yes. Like, that can be pretty devastating if you can get it to work. Even, like, hitting over two lanes can be enough to win you the game. But uh, I also want to just take a moment to point out his uh, huge Giganticus deck, since it is his main. And uh, okay. I imagine that there will probably be some amount of net decking this particular Conjure huge Giganticus. I have a feeling that that is true. Yeah, because, you know, this is the dude who won the tournament, and this is, you know, arguably the best zombie deck out there. So, like, this might be the example going forward of what Conjure Huge Giganticus looks like. So, you know, watch out for Kitchen Sink Zombie and uh, Plank Walker and Raptor Rider. It also seems pretty optimized towards just, like, cheesing you out with uh, the Space Cowboy again, because you've got the 4X Teleport, 3X... Um teleportation zombie so that's just more ways to have your tele your space cowboy dodge the tricks phase removal and i mean that's more of a problem with space cowboy than anything space cowboy was was one of the most busted cards in galactic gardens um kind of remains so um but that's you know what are you going to do about that um something that i will say about this deck though that i that is very fun is that it's got um both Dr. Spacetime and Thinking Cap, so you get zero mana superpowers, um, which is uh, one of the coolest things to do with Zombology Teacher, um, and so that's just got to be real gross. There's several cards in here that he's running only one copy of, which is uh, a bit surprising to me, because that is something I try not to do unless I only own one of the card. Like, he's he's running one Mustache Monument and one Plank Walker, and... Yeah, I mean... When I do that, it's usually because I'm just trying to test them. So if it's like, let's say there's there's three slots in a deck that I don't know what I want to put there. I'll put like one each of three things and say like, okay, every time I draw this, um, I will say like, what if it was the other two things? Would that have been better? Um, whereas given that this um, was like, especially as the main deck uh, that they used, probably faced a fair amount of testing uh, and kept the singletons. Uh, and so, I don't know, maybe that's just... couldn't decide. Yeah, uh, you know, when, when in doubt, go with a little bit of everything. Like, you know, if you have one Plank Walker, then, you know, odds are by the time you draw it, you're gonna be able to play it. 
Yeah. Whereas, like, if you have four of them, you know, you might end up with one sitting in your hand forever. All right, well, uh, congratulations, Akati. Uh, enjoy your, 50, your sweet, sweet 50 Canadian dollars. Yes, uh, congratulations indeed, and uh, it was a great tournament all around, and thank you to... Um, thanks people. to the Canadians for putting it on. Yes, thanks to the Canadians for putting it on, and uh, just this whole community. It was, uh, it was a really fun month, like it was like the monthly event of the of the PPZ Heroes community, and it, uh, it was a hell of a month. I feel like Akati said there was video of the fights, but I don't think those are public anywhere yet. Okay. Um, oh yeah, if there there are some videos of me fighting Akati on the Shroom for Two YouTube page. I believe they are labeled E1, E2, E3, and E4, which I uh, recently marked public, so if you want to see these decks in action kicking my butt, go and check those out. Uh, yeah, there's some other cool stuff on there as well. So check out our our uh, YouTube page, which I believe is Shroom for Two Podcast. Correct. Um, which is the same as our Gmail address, so Shroom for Two Podcast at Gmail dot com. If you want to uh, send us some questions, we've got some good questions waiting in the wings, uh, but we could always use more. And uh, yeah, just thank you all for continuing to stick with us and continuing to play this awesome game. Yeah, all that and more next time on Shroom for Two. And until then, I'm Mike. I'm Taylor. Have a great week, everybody. Go Croatia! They won today, didn't they? They did, yeah. Uh, I, sometimes it's really fun to laugh at England. Yeah, I agree with that <laughs> statement. <laughs> and, uh, and they're playing France, which uh, they, they had their semifinal game yesterday, and I slept through it. Did you see that awesome graphic on 538 of the, like, the time series of, of the different win percentage chances framed as an elimination bracket, so it's just like this crazy multicolored band um, of like no that sounds incredible it's really cool hang on i'll find it they had like a model or something that showed the like instantaneous win percent chance um in all of the round of 16 matches and so it's like you know in the in the belgium versus japan game um belgium was down 2-0 and so like their chance gets super small but then they rally back and like the red band gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it's like, and then the Japan part disappears because they're out of the bracket, um, and then oh, it, you yeah. know, it, it escalates up. Oh, this is neat. Um, yeah, the the Russia Croatia game was really exciting to me, and it made me super happy that I don't gamble because I would have bet a whole bunch of money on Russia finishing like in the top three, guaranteed, and like it was really close and tense until like like ten minutes into overtime when Croatia scored again. And I was just kind of realizing, um, it, like, it was, like, elation thinking about, like, you know, because a lot of the World Cup content I consume is uh, focused around betting. And oh, just sure. thinking about, like, oh, man, I am I am so happy I'm not about that life because I would be miserable right now. Nice. See you next week on Sports for Two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>